0: Welcome back to the 50th episode of the Quiet Onset podcast. I'm your host, John Graf, and on today's show, I am joined by Lachlan Thiele. Lachlan, can you believe we've already done 50 of these?
1: Uh, I can't believe you've done 50 of these because I haven't been around for all 50, but this fuck it, this guy (laughs) has been around for 50 episodes.
0: That is true. I have been here. Um, the, The tried and true statement is what it's called of this podcast, I guess. I am the main host after all, but I'm sure you've been here for like half of them at least, probably more than that.
1: Uh, I would say at least 60%, but I I can't say that I'm at, you know, you're sitting at at least a 99%. (laughs) attendance rating.
0: Yes, yes. I might have gone off on a pp break for like half an episode or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's where the difference comes in in the percentage. I mean a couple more of these and I'm I mean this podcast is ready for early retirement. Yeah, oh exactly I'm I'm happy to (laughs) but uh yeah coming up In today's show we got reviews for movies from this year's South by Southwest Film Festival as well as news about release date shifts in the Disney movie lineup and our main topic of the week, Zack Snyder's Justice League. But before we get into the show, be sure to join our Discord server. We do monthly film raffles over there as well as a new bi-weekly film club this week's film will be 1933's king kong so come on in and be a part of our community uh we also have a patreon with lots of fun benefits like a monthly bonus show so uh if you'd like to support us even more head on over there and become a first ad for just two bucks a month but enough with the shilling let's get into the news lachlan So Disney just announced their plans for their new lineup for the rest of the year. First and foremost, Black Widow has moved from its May 7th release date to July 9th, 2021. And it will hit theaters as well as Disney Plus as a premier access title, of course, at the same time. Cruella will get the same treatment and will release on May 28th. The latest Pixar flick Luca, however, uh, will follow the previously set standards of Soul as a free Disney Plus title when it releases this summer in on July 18th. Other changes for release dates for the following films include Free Guy that moves to August 13th, the next MCU flick Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings shifts its way over to September 3rd, while Eternals holds its slot November 5th. Uh, the Kingsman gets pushed to December 22nd and Deepwater as well as Death on the Nile gets pushed out of 2021 entirely with a respective January 14th and February 11th release date. So that was quite a mouthful. <laughs> Lachlan, what are your thoughts uh, of Disney um, putting their content on their streaming service as well as in cinemas?
1: I really don't mind it. I think it's a great best of both worlds kind of situation. To be honest, if I have the choice that I could stay home and watch a movie that I I'm not totally hyped for I'm okay with that I've got a pretty good system TV sound system etc I'm fine with Mm. that but in saying that for those who like cinema they will go to the to the movies they'll go to the cinema to watch a movie all right I will most likely see The Kingsman at cinema uh, The Eternals at cinema maybe even Free Guy depending if they can get me hyped (laughs) enough sorry uh, but like for example right one thing I was excited for was Black Widow and I'm Mm. probably I'm still gonna see in cinema but yeah. i think they need to start getting more hype for it because you know only recently it was going to come out on may 7th mm-hmm. right yeah everyone's this this movie has dropped off the face of the earth for most people so they need to get some trailers rolling out there to get people back hyped up for this film especially if they're going to try and release it in america in both cinemas and disney plus um and again uh one film that i'm most likely just going to watch at home would be cruella i i really don't have any drive to go see it at the cinema and pay a little bit more to to, to watch it with popcorn and a drink and et cetera, et cetera. But the other one is obviously uh, Luca. That's, that's one I haven't had a lot of hype for. So if they can get more hype behind it, I will go and watch it at the cinema.
0: Yeah, oh, that for sure. I think Luca is the one that I'm most excited for as well. And um, yeah, it's been uh, kind of quiet around uh, Black Widow. I guess that mainly comes back to them not being sure if they'll stick with May. And I mean, they pushed it again. And uh, probably like this was the final decision for releasing it now. And they, they, they're they not pushing it again. So um, now they can pump out a, a cre- create more hype before inevitably like waste more money on promoting it when it moves back a couple of months again so i'm, I'm actually pretty happy about this as well that finally uh, we are getting some of these movies even if it's in the hbo-like uh, release schedule or similar in that way i guess but still premiere access means that we don't just get it with the service we have to pay extra which i think is fine for these disney movies i think i dropped i dropped
1: no, that's cool because your your webcam was completely frozen so i yeah, was just like I, yes you
0: and laptop was gone i was looking at you and wasn't sure if you were either that or you've
1: me. been practicing your ventriloquism really well because you were not moving your lips at all but speaking perfect english so i reckon you should get back into you should get back into <laughs> ventriloquism man know. you know you're like sticking your hand up people's asses
0: oh oh you do that as a profession i just do it for fun
1: hey what <laughs> Whatever you can is fun, baby.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll start up the laptop on the side, but I'll I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be back in a second. Um, But yeah, I'm also pretty keen for what Eternals will show us just because it's it's so different from what the MCU has been doing for the past few years. But I, I guess they're trying out some new stuff um overall so uh yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see maybe it's just good old marvel and it's it's nothing special but uh something that is quite uh <laughs> near and dear to my heart is uh yeah one of the trailers that we're looking at today um a movie called shiva baby and uh yeah Lakhan, <laughs> what were your first impressions of uh, this trailer
1: it seems like a very quirky film but it also seems like a very stylized drama, coming of age piece.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're pretty close. I think it has a lot of parallels to Uncut Gems, uh, especially through the audio editing. It does create a space that feels really, really cramped. And I'm lucky enough to have seen this at NewFest last year, and it was oh. one of my favorites uh, from 2020. I think it was uh, in my top five overall. And um, I guess to give to give a premise, of the movie, um, it's about a college student who attends a family shiva, uh, where she is accosted by her relatives, outshined by her ex-girlfriend, and face-to-face with her sugar daddy and his family. And I, I just I love that premise. Mm-hmm. It's just my kind of movie.
1: So does it take place in one like one location the entire film?
0: Um yeah, the, the bulk of the movie takes place in and around the same location. Okay, okay. So it, it is like a bottlenecked uncut gems mixed in with a splice of like bisexual tension and then like topped off with the, the the awkward anxiety that you get from family gatherings. Overall, great mix. I I can't wait for more people um to see this one um pretty soon.
1: And it doesn't have a long runtime. I'm looking at it right now. It says 77 minutes. So is that is it only a short little piece?
0: Oh, I don't remember it being short at all. Uh, I I remember not noticing having a really good time of it and not noticing um, like that it's long or anything. But all um, oh, right, I think due to its simple premise, it, it doesn't need to go like as far as something like Uncut Gems needs to go. You know, with a big mm-hmm. swings and. A lot of characters is, it's mainly focused on like the anxiety of our of our titular character which um, is also it's a great great performance i'm blanking on the names but the lead and the ex-girlfriend and um uh, all the, all the drama that <laughs> ensues in this on the shiva which is a shiva i don't know if you notice know but uh Shiva is um, like the uh, like a funeral celeb- in quote unquote celebration uh, not not celebration but like the, the, the thing you do after a funeral I think or something like that uh for Jewish people and uh, there's a lot of Jewishness in this movie as well <laughs> I just, I just, I could talk for, about this movie for for hours but uh let's move on to um our next trailer and uh, I I really only wanted to talk about one trailer today honestly I could just go on about Shiva baby but. Um, I saw this trailer for a movie called Four Good Days starring Glenn Close, yet another Oscar bait role as a mother of a drug addict played by Mila Kunis. And um, I got to say, there's just something about this. At this point, I think it must be satire for Glenn Close to take uh, these roles. But Lachlan, wouldn't you agree? It it was kind of uh, ridiculous, right?
1: Um, Yeah, no, I agree. One of the comments here is like, I love how Glenn Close is playing everybody's mom when they're doing when they're a drug addict in a film. I was like, this is so true. Like who who else would you want beside you as your mother in when you're overdosing? But uh yeah, look, uh, I you made me watch these two trailers for this for this podcast. I watched Shiva Baby and I thought, hey, this Yuan's got some good taste right now. Like this looks like really interesting. And then you sent me this trailer and I went, fucking you. And what is this? What is this? Like it's, it's just straight Oscar baiting. Yeah. And you can tell when you watch a trailer from the style and the music, what kind of film this is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Some movies go in the complete opposite direction. A good example of that would be something like suicide squad. In this case, <laughs> yeah. I, this film is exactly what it's going to be. And it's an Oscar bait with these two performances. They might change my mind. I might watch it and they might change my mind. But right now, all I can think is it's two actresses acting the hardest they've ever had yeah. to get an Oscar.
0: Just to get an Oscar. I, I used to probably be like, hasn't been nominated um, ever for, for like an Oscar or anything. But Clan Close, I think. This year is like her seventh time or something like that. So uh, yeah, she might snag up for an Oscar for like any movie at this point. I mean, she got one for *Hillbilly Elegy*, and I think what tells me that this movie is also they don't they, like they they don't have a lot of confidence in this is also that they are releasing this um at the uh, pretty soon I think in a couple of months even um I forgot to put down the release date but it's not like a fall release or anything. They don't have confidence for it to be like. Uh, and Oscar contender later in the year. Anyways, let's have a look at this week's new releases. Hopefully, uh, punching its way into the box office is Nobody. Um, <laughs> there's a dad joke here, but um, I'll refrain myself from making it. Although, so, like, every fiber of my body is working against it right now. Uh, but we got Nobody starring um, Bob Odenkirk, best known for his role as Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad. As he tries himself as an action hero a la John Wick. um, Which is definitely something new, I think, for Bob Odenkirk. Um, I think he's mostly known for doing comedies. Uh, We also got Christopher Lloyd from The Dark from Back to the Future in this. He plays Hutch's, that's Odenkirk's character's dad, and nobody releases Friday, March 26th in US cinemas. And um, due to the Universal deal with AMC, it will have a shortened cinema-only run, and after 17 days, uh, it is allowed to release on VOD So it will probably come out on VOD sometime mid-April. And I guess I forgot to say the premise, but it's a Hutch, Mansell, a suburban dad, overlooked husband, nothing neighbor, and nobody. When two thieves break into his home one night, Hutch's unknown, long simmering rage is ignited and propels him on a brutal path that will uncover dark secrets he fought to leave behind. Yeah, Lachlan, are you excited for Nobody?
1: Uh, I am very excited for Nobody because I have one read a lot of great things about this movie Mm -hmm. Two, Bob Odenkirk is sick three I just love some good action and apparently this has got some of that good stuff in it so I'm actually looking at it right now Uh, there's a screening on tonight so your boy might go see it tonight
0: (laughs) wait you already have it there It's, it's crazy you told me this earlier about the next movie that I'm talking about that that like releases tomorrow for you as well I don't know like they, they they always say Australia is ahead of time. They can tell the future, la la la. But you get movies days days before we even know they exist at this point.
1: I think this one this might just be a preview screening, like because uh, okay. I think it releases next week. But it could be still some. Oh still no no, it comes out
0: this Friday. But I'm surprised that I guess I guess it's an early screening yeah. on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I have no um no way of watching it. Uh, before it, it comes out on VOD, because once again, it has to be mentioned uh, Cinema in Switzerland uh, remain closed and uh, new ruling will they, they'll talk about it, uh, I think, mid April again. Well, this when this movie will come out on VOD, anyways, but uh, maybe it will be uh, your review next time where, where you get to talk about a movie from 2021 (laughs) now uh the next movie that i wanted to mention releases uh not this friday but on the wednesday after but if you're in australia i guess it also releases tomorrow (laughs) well i guess it already has released by the time Uh, anyways i'm catching myself in a loop here uh it's godzilla versus king kong and it's available to hbo max subscribers on march 31st and it sees the two cultural icons godzilla versus King Kong, um, box it out for good. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty keen for this one. Um, on what do you think?
1: On the same boat, man, uh, different boat to King Kong coming over to America, but, uh, the same boat. <laughs> I, I am very keen for this, even though I consider myself a movie nerd. Uh, I do like my simple, slow drama pieces. Slow is funny because we just watched, uh, Justice League, which is four hours long. Um, <clears throat> but you get me a big ape and a big lizard and they go fisty cuffs. I'm fucking in, bro. I'm in. I, I'm all in.
0: Yeah. Are you more of a Godzilla person or like more of a King Kong? Who are you rooting for?
1: Look, if... uh because last time I saw King Kong he was like a teenager mm-hmm. I'm kind of like he's like the underdog because he's he's young Godzilla has been around for a while mm-hmm. um I mean not I mean equally the same length I
0: guess like a coming of age movie for King Kong Yeah it's coming a yeah it's mm-hmm. a coming
1: of age mm-hmm. movie for King Kong um <laughs> but Watching the first Godzilla film and remembering that, like, low shot looking up at Godzilla, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. So I reckon, and I'm completely ignoring Godzilla King of the Monsters because that movie was atrocious, um, even though, again, I like some fisty cuffs, but for some reason it just wasn't yeah. fisticuff cuff enough for me. I'm going to go Godzilla interesting just because king kong is strong yeah but godzilla can literally like shoot a beam out of his asshole
0: <laughs> i think i think uh, it might not be his asshole but we'll, we'll stick with that we'll make it well carry. fuck it who cares can, where it
1: comes out if he can shoot a laser beam
0: it's also radioactive
1: uh yeah, yeah that's true as well i've never <laughs> i've
0: never had radioactive poo so uh that's pretty God. exciting God
1: godzilla is gonna die because king Kong's gonna strangle him to death but godzilla technically gonna win because king kong will die in the future with to radiation poisoning <laughs> it's
0: just, everyone's fucked in this world just because everyone's just fucked <laughs> it's just radiation everywhere uh but yeah pretty keen for this one i mean we're also doing our roll out again next week on the original king kong pretty excited to check that one out uh think we haven't have never done a roll that again on a movie from the 30s so it will definitely be really different from um the other stuff that we've been doing but uh, anyways let's move on to what we've been watching So, Lachlan, as you couldn't join us for the last two weeks, I wanted to uh, catch up um, uh, with you on some of your thoughts on uh, things that have wrapped up in the meantime. So, uh, mm-hmm. you finished uh, Wanda Vision, and uh, yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this first MCU series.
1: Um, I think they came out real strong. Mm-hmm. Um, even though most of the MC- MCU. They do have some sort of, I guess, pulling of the heartstrings and some really dramatic components to them. They're still superhero movies, and I'm not saying superhero movies don't have depth, but the majority of the MCU has – Kind of like if we were to put it into layers, the first layer of emotion, and it wouldn't be until Endgame that they've built it over these movies that you can get down to those lower levels where you're really, you know, making grown men cry because Iron Man says I love you 3000, right? Mm -hmm. WandaVision didn't have a lot of action going for it besides the last episode. And the way I've seen it is One Division is essentially just a really long movie, just cut up into sections.
0: Uh, wait, we well, have heard uh, that before. Huh. Uh, yeah, I can't. I, think of I it. do not know. Co- can't think of
1: another movie that would have been separated up into sections because it's yeah, so
0: long. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Um, so yeah, no, look, One Division, in my opinion, was really awesome. And mm-hmm. spoiler alert, I think it's better already than the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, okay. I don't think that came out and it was that strong of first episode. Um, but again, I, I, when one division opened, I kind of wasn't vibing with it at the start things can grow it's only the first episode and i'm yeah. comparing a first episode of one series to a complete season of another so it's very unfair um division though was awesome it added a lot of character depth to Wanda, which is why i hope what all these tv shows do for both falcon winter soldier they've already done it for Wanda, and they do it for loki um i can't think of any of the other ones that are coming out i think those are the big three really uh, for now yeah i think year. later in the yeah. year
0: we got hawkeye uh
1: yeah hawkeye yeah, uh, and stuff like that stuff. What I really want is that these series focus on this character and they give that character a bit more depth. Now, Loki, he already has a bit of depth. His kind of arc in the MCU is kind of finished. So this is just a great little spin-off fun thing it can be but for falcon and uh the falcon the winter soldier and wanda ongoing characters within the mcu i hope that these series give us more depth in those characters and wandavision did that i hope falcon yeah. and winter soldier do the same thing so that's all i'm hoping out of these tv shows a bit more depth these characters and that's just going to make the mcu a whole lot better
0: yeah and i think that's kind of the the way that the mcu has been going about i think you, you mentioned that uh you built those emotional connections to these characters and the emotional depth through the standalone films so I guess what they've now become more of like smaller crossovers and then you get some to some big moment like endgame essentially I don't think these movies here do a lot different than these standalone films it just builds a, a little bit more depth um for these characters but yeah so I guess I guess let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier do you have anything else um, more to say about the the pilot.
1: Um, I just don't think the pilot had a very strong opening. It, it might be a bit biased, as I said before. It's like I'm comparing the whole of one division, the whole eight episodes, eight mm. episodes, yeah, eight episodes, nine episodes, nine, yeah, nine episodes, whatever it is. Mm. I, I just remember it wasn't ten, and I'm like, why can't we just get the ten? Um, <laughs> it is a weird, yeah. Right, it's like the last couple of episodes, like last couple of seasons of Game of Thrones, where they had like six episodes or like three episodes. It's like fuck, why can't you just have like ten episodes? Uh, anyway. I'm comparing the whole first season or the limited series of WandaVision to the first episode of Falcon, so it's completely unfair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Falcon and the Winter Soldier, in comparison to the opening of WandaVision, Division had a really cool style going for it and, it, and it still did throughout the entire series. Each episode was a different genre. It was awesome. That was great for people who, you know, really like what you can do with movies and TV shows and give it this mm-hmm. style and this feeling, and, you know, you can muck around with the audio and the look of the uh, visual side of it. And get this awesome feeling out of it, and that's what One Division did really well. Unfortunately, Falcon and Winter Soldier don't do that. But again, I've thought about it a bit more, and obviously, this is taking place currently, like like where yeah. the MCU is now, this Phase Four, and so, so does One Division. But One Division was like cyclone little bubble, essentially. Yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, as like a first episode, it didn't really. I, I don't really know where they want to go with this. I understand that the idea is we need to get a new Captain America, and it, is it are they trying? Is it like is it a bad thing that we don't have a captain? In america obviously mm-hmm. it is to, to america in this in this in this world but I, the falcon doesn't seem to care falcon doesn't seem to care yeah he seems to be doing his own thing which by the way if the u.s government is paying for bucky's therapist why do they send him to such a shit therapist
0: <laughs> maybe it says something about the the, the u.s uh medical system just uh the-
1: but again that was one of the only cool little things I liked about the first episode. Uh, that f- opening fight sequence was kind of fun. It, mm, I, mm. Again, we haven't really had a lot of f- like in-air flight battles with like Rhodey and Falcon and Iron yeah. Man and Vision and stuff like that. That would be awesome. So having that you know, Falcon flying in and threw out of helicopters was sick. Yeah, it was um, really sick, yeah. The introduction to Bucky in The Therapist being this brutally m- murder, crazy assassin, mm-hmm. and then he's sitting down behind this beautiful picture of a forest. I was like, "That's funny. That 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 is funny and smart." Yeah, but that was the only kind of thing that I liked about it. Other than that, yeah, Uh, there did a couple things that I've always thought about, like how do superheroes get paid? I guess they don't, but I mean. (laughs) surely they would like surely they compensated for something yeah especially um, if they not.
0: are employed by uh stark especially but i guess uh falcon is more on Captain America's side of things from like mm. the split from civil war so i guess there could be some issues there but yeah uh I, I just i just think that um it has really some uh strong parallels to the second uh captain America film which was one of my favorites from the mcu overall and, okay. um okay so I'm just looking for, like, some gritty political drama. Um, the only thing that I'm concerned about is that that with these shows, like WandaVision, I don't think, uh, like, spoiler alert for that one, that we left off at a uniquely different place from where we started. I think we are kind of, like, clean slate, uh, despite the depth added to the characters. And here it could be, okay, at the end of Endgame, end uh, Falcon gets the shield and... Uh, cap says okay you're the next captain america in a sense um he doesn't want it, it, it basically it's like it, it feels like it could be uh the first act of a movie with like a reluctant hero and the end mm-hmm. of the series could just be him taking up the mantle but i mean yeah uh, i um, the, the six episodes overall they're a bit longer i think they're like 40 45 minutes Um yeah. Yeah, so yeah. i think we'll get straight to the point um as well in the in the story and i'm, I'm pretty excited for this one actually a bit more than um, I guess I was for Wonder Vision. No, yeah,
1: and look, I, I I can I completely agree with you. I think that this story already seems to be affecting where the MCU would go, or at least for this character, because all we really got for Wanda was this, you know, I guess seven days, was it? Like is that how long, that how long the fucking season was, like seven days of her life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess she's now a more powerful superhero. And we guess we know that she's one of the most powerful superheroes in this yeah. universe.
0: And I guess it's not not really sure if she's still a hero, right? If, yeah, if, yeah, true. Right? That is also... I think they could have played a bit more with that in the, in the show, but that's up in the air as well.
1: And obviously we should... I, I think we should point out that obviously uh, Division was affected by COVID-19 restrictions yeah. mm-hmm. and filming. They uh, I, I had to do some rewi- rewrites of the, uh, the ending. Um, so look we take it for what it is hey fuck it that's one division done falcon and winter soldiers up next i guess we'll talk about each episode as it comes out and then at the end we'll say whether we like it or not and then we get worried about Loki.
0: <laughs> exactly. I think whenever you are on, we'll uh, quickly talk about it in, in what we've been uh, watching. And then uh, at the end, yeah, we'll give a series review. Um, yes. Yeah, anything else you've been watching, Lock-on?
1: Um. Only thing I would like to point out is actually a, uh, a movie that my manager recommended to me is actually her favorite movie. I asked her. Mm. Uh, I, I, I ask this to anyone that I work with. It's kind of like my will I like you kind of question. Um, by asking them what their favourite movie is. The movie that uh, she gave me was... um, It was uh, His Girl Friday. Yeah, so His Girl Friday, directed by Howard Hawks, stars um, from the 1940s Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. Um, Essentially, what stuck out to me straight away about this film is that unlike other films from this period, uh, (laughs) the main character's a very strong female reporter. And that's the first thing that stuck out to me. I was like, not a lot of characters in this in this period of film uh, who were female, had this kind of power over, uh, I guess, a man and it straight away opens up because uh, the two main characters, uh, Hildy and uh, Hildy and Walter Burns Walter Burns being uh, these two were being married, Walter Burns being uh, the boss of her technically running this newspaper. Uh, she was a reporter they've split, she's basically telling him that he's she's moving on, blah 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 and he, he, he's trying to pull her back but she's not having a single thing of it Anyway, the story ends <laughs> up revolving around this uh, man who had Apparently had this gun planted on him and is about to be executed, and it's that one last story that Hildy gets wrapped into writing for this newspaper before she moves on, and it's a mixture of comedy and drama. But the two things that stuck out to me really, really, like just have stuck with me through this film is how awesome of a character from 1940s Hildy is, mm-hmm. um, and how rare it is to have a character that's stuck around and to this day. Um, sure, there's a couple things like at the end that she ends up a spoiler that she ends up getting back with Walter Burns, but yeah. Obviously, you know, during this period of film, happy happy endings would be good because obviously World War II and stuff were going on. Yeah, um, certain
0: conventions are still upheld kind of exactly. in every movie. Yeah.
1: And the other thing is that the comedy is, it still holds up on some things.
0: Highwood Hawks is great with comedy. Have you seen any uh, other films of his?
1: Um, unfortunately not. This is a period of film that I haven't really watched a lot of, and it's hey, because they don't age that well, unfortunately yeah. for me. Um, I know he's worked with John Wayne in the past, um, on a uh, couple things.
0: Wait, was it what was it Red River? Is that John Wayne? Yeah. Red River is yeah. John Wayne. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any other ones, right? Which
1: now. uh it would be an insult to my family if I didn't watch John Wayne films. So <laughs> at some point <laughs> yeah. in this year I am hoping to sit down with my dad. And watch some John Wayne films as like a little father son bonding thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, I, I would have. Uh, I haven't really seen a lot from this period, and, and mainly it's because most of the films that I watch haven't aged that well, and yeah. you know it's hard to watch films that don't age right. really well.
0: Yeah, and it, there's not there's not much that you can change about them like technically to make them more appealing. It's more like the story structure and maybe even the acting and stuff like that. I've only seen yeah. one of howard hawks's films i'm um, bringing up baby and uh mm. it's another straight-up comedy uh also starring um carrie grant wait what's his name yeah carrie grant right Cary grant and um yeah another another really fun movie that also has a like a strong female um character there although uh, from uh katherine Hepburn happened there but um, probably not as strong as this reporter character that you talked about, but it's, it's refreshing to see strong female characters that aren't just, um, in that sense, you know, that mm. that they, they, they have a little bit more to them, but that's exciting. I haven't seen his girl Friday, but from you talking about it, uh, I'm really, um, yeah. And I really want to check it out sooner than later.
1: One thing I think you'll like will be the writing. Uh, it's really well written. Mm-hmm. Um, Because obviously reporters, they have that kind of, you know, 40s, like accents and sound to them, you know, like stereotypical reporter. But the thing is, in that runtime, so much dialogue is in it. It's, I think I read it was 192 pages of wow. a screenplay, and most of it is dialogue. But to make it to make the most of it, a lot of the dialogue overlaps yeah. to make this really like confusing, rapid writing kind of style. So I think you might like that. You might hate it. I'm not saying that you're gonna like it, but I really enjoyed the film for. A film made in the 40s with overlapping dialogue, most of the time it will be me speak, then you speak, then me speak, then you speak, and no overlapping or it's edited out during the edit. But this is done in a different way. So it's, it's
0: really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. And um, I think I've heard of uh, Ben Hash Ash before. Uh, he's the director, uh, not the director, he's the um, screenwriter for this and- I saw that it's, it's based on a play from 1928 um, yeah. called The Frontage.
1: so it was, it was based on a play, and you can see that in the film as well. A lot of it is mm-hmm. obviously one direction, and it's kind of like a set in there. They don't really break that well, 180 well, degree my kind rule, of thing. which obviously – So it's, it's stylized like that, the blocking's like yep. that. It's really cool. One thing I would say is that I read this as well – um, originally, Hildy wasn't a woman; it was a man, and mm. he mm. was at like a at like a dinner and read the screenplay out. And either he did or someone else recommended to make it a woman, and then that stuck. So, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, cool stories come out of this. I, I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, no, you should give it a watch. And anyone out there who kind of likes this style, see what you think. It's. I was honestly, it's only like an hour and forty five, so you can be in and out and done.
0: it's uh, awesome. Yeah, thanks for that uh, recommendation. Yeah, do you have do you have anything else? No, nah, right? I wanted
1: to focus mainly on that one. Right. I'm I'm kind of over saying everything I've watched and trying to prove that I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> I'd rather just like tell people yeah. one this one movie that I really liked and get in depth with it a little bit.
0: I like that. I like that. I uh, definitely appreciate it um especially if it's like a classic like this that probably not a lot of people would watch otherwise if uh, unless you really sell it to them. I I just haven't been watching that much to be honest. Uh well, we'll I'll get into my South-Southwest by Southwest review which will be like it's a whole separate thing. I'll try and um compact that down as, as much as I can. And I, I also didn't see as many as I initially planned just because I didn't have time. But yeah, I'm just currently still re-watching Breaking Bad with my little brother. And um I'm up to season four, about the halfway point. And man, how great is Breaking Bad? I just wanted to mention that again. Very good. All right? It's so good. It's it's um uh, it's on Netflix over here. I don't know if it's on Netflix worldwide. And I, I cannot wait to get into Better Call Saul. Um, Bob Odenkirk, like, straight after Nobody, I'll start watching Better Call Saul. I'm just really keen. Um, just a quick shout-out to Breaking Bad, I guess. So uh, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, please do. It's one of the best shows of all time. So I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival last week. Uh, Of course, that experience was quite different from the in-person experience you'd normally get being in Austin, Texas. But compared to the previous lineups, this year was rather weak and I I noticed that there wasn't a ton of interest in the festival outside of like the inner circle of film twitter. Nonetheless, from the initial 50 plus films on my watch list, I only ended up watching about 10 features and a whole suite of the animation shorts. And I'll start off with those I guess, although they are pretty hard to recommend, because they're usually really hard to come by. The overall highlight from the animation shorts was the Oscar-nominated opera, which I'm rooting for to uh, snag up that Oscar as well, Um, which was a breathtaking look at humanity through a looping art installation. From the other 10 shorts I saw, I only want to highlight one more, and that is Hold Me Tight, which was a short story about intense sexual desire between two silhouettes. I know it sounds kind of trippy, but it had some great visuals, I'm going to say. Moving on to the features. I already talked about the Demi Lovato doc last week, so check out that episode if you want to hear my thoughts. But let's go through uh, all of these other ones from worst to best right now. So first up, Sound of Violence was a movie that premiered in the Midnight section at the festival. It was an exploitation film about a music student with murderous urges. So it's basically a slasher that wanted to be a bit artistic as well. Um, some of the kills are pretty fun and spectacularly graphic. The plot and performance really sucked though, so I gave it a three out of ten. Next up was "Fucking with Nobody," which was a meta doc on a meta doc on a meta doc on a meta doc. See where I'm going with this. Yes, this one lost me quite early on because it, it's almost incomprehensible. It, it is very confusing. Um, yeah. So it just wasn't for me at all. Four out of ten for that one. Next up was the Charlie um XCX Doc, which was about her quarantine experience and the album she made in 40 days. Uh, I assume this is a great, great documentary for fans, but I just didn't get that much out of it, and I gave it a 5 out of 10. Women is Losers tells the story of a young woman in in the 60s in San Francisco, struggling to get by and provide for her kid after a teenage pregnancy. The story played it safe, there were fourth wall breaks, and they were quite annoying, and the characters overall lacked uh, a lot of depth, so I don't want to go... Um, into more detail about that one. That's a 5 out of 10 as well. Here before is a very trippy psychological thriller that I had a bit higher hopes for. Um, it was still very entertaining, but it lost me a couple of times with the unwarranted slow pacing and repetitiveness overall in the story. Uh, another 5 out of 10. Now onto the movies I enjoyed quite a bit. First up, Under the Volcano, a doc which told the story of music producer Malcolm Lowry, who set up a recording studio on a remote Caribbean island and had some of the biggest stars of the 70s there. Now, if you didn't know already, South by Southwest isn't just a film festival, but also various other things, including uh, a film festival. So that's why you'll find a lot of docs and movies with music as a central theme. But Under the Volcano was an interesting respective look back onto this magical time period of creativity and uh, the creation of some of pop culture's most iconic songs and overall just this mesmerizing location um, being showcased to us. So that one's a 6 out of 10. In Between Girl was a coming-of-age film about a teen artist that narrates her story to her future self, which is more often than not something I don't enjoy at all and there's no surprise here. I wasn't really pleased. Apart from the mediocre acting, the story at its core had heart, although it wasn't anything new overall. But, but that can be forgiven um, through a fast-moving plot and generally good characters. So, 6 out of 10. Ninja Baby was a really pleasant surprise from Norway about the 23-year-old Raquel, who got the not-so-pleasant surprise of being six months pregnant without realizing it. This movie is... Uh, Very quirky, has hand-drawn animation of internalized dialogue um, between Raquel and her unborn baby and was overall the funniest film I caught at the fest. Another 6 out of 10. Swan Song starred Udo Krier as a queer, retired hairdresser on a journey to style a dead woman's hair. This movie was (laughs) such a delight. It made me laugh, cry and think so it hit home everywhere it could for me. Uh, to consider it an enjoyable experience. I used to watch this show called 4 Gegen Z or Four Against Z in English, in which Udo Korea was at the bad guy. So I'm always keen uh, whenever I see him pop up uh, in any films I'm watching. Overall, 7 out of 10, definitely would recommend. Now onto the final film from South by Southwest, of course. It's the school shooter movie again, like my favorite from Sundance. Well, the fallout managed to be so damn captivating and gut-wrenchingly honest that I just couldn't help myself from putting it at the top spot. As the title already hints at, um, this movie deals with more of the fallout uh, of what the psychiatrist in the movie calls the incident. And through that, a raw look at what a teenager would go through in the scenario. It creates so many believable characters while still balancing how to respectfully tackle a sensitive topic like this. I cried multiple times, especially a moment between Vada played by Jenna Ortega and her little sister that was so, so very touching. Um, Go check this one out when it comes out, Universal picked it up, so it probably will get uh, a big major release which isn't guaranteed for a lot of these movies that I just talked about because some of them um, end kind of their run at festivals and never get picked up. But overall, this was a 8 out of 10 for me. All right, that wraps up what we've been watching. So now, before we get into today's main topic, um, many of you might be aware about the debacle of the infamous Pixar Bracket, which has cursed this podcast very early into its run.
1: (laughs) Wait, where is this going? (laughs) <laughs> where is this going? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> where is this going? <laughs>
0: that's not good.
1: Because not many people know about the, the, the infamous Disney or Pixar cut, sorry. So I, I'm I'm a bit worried why we're bringing it up because we've had some bad issues with this thing, man. <laughs>
0: well, uh, that's why there's legends about it. No one really knows, like, where it comes from.
1: Oh, right. Okay, okay. Neither do I.
0: Well, legends say there were two separate versions of this quiet Pixar cut filmed six months apart from each other <laughs> but neither ever got to see the light of day well there's a chance that we will recover this last bracket and it will be released after all how might you ask well legend says to whom the five-star apple befalleth shall the answer to the ultimate pixar movie be giveth yeah no f- thanks for your five-star reviews on apple Podcasts. podcast f-
1: <laughs> <laughs> how long did you spend on that man
0: uh to be honest two minutes last night at midnight <laughs> right before right, sick. i fell asleep but you're um, a poet <laughs> yeah it's definitely co- grammatically correct and everything but um yeah no uh maybe at some point after luca maybe we'll give it another try i mean all good things are free right there's a saying like that but <laughs> yeah i guess it kind of ties into the snyder cut which is uh, what we'll talk about right now so yeah Zack Snyder's Justice League from 2021 is available to stream on HBO max um let's have a look at the ratings I gotta say I'm really surprised how this movie was received uh not that I am really different from those kind of impressions that other people left but on Letterboxd it has a f- uh, 3.5 on IMDb and 8.3 and on Metacritic, at 54. <laughs> so there's a bit of a difference there. Uh, compared to the original Joss Whedon cut of uh, Justice League from 2017. Um, Lachlan, you are fucking with me. I don't like this. <laughs> <have> I done? <laughs> you, changed? you changed the rate. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying <laughs> to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is hang pretty on, funny i was i i looked at i don't know if you saw we're uh, looking at go. me but i was I it, I confused for like a second um but yeah
1: Yeah, no, i saw you confused for a second <laughs> sorry so everyone who can't see i changed the ratings on the show notes to the exact same as the ones uh so this, the the previous 2017 one and the 2021 one were the exact same rating so ewan was confused he was like wait a second this does not add up these should not be the same
0: and like playing into that i've I'm I'm pretty tired because we're filming this a bit recording this a bit earlier than usual. I was like, "Oh, I'm such an idiot. I put the wrong." Number <laughs> <stand."> <laughs> For a second I thought it was really me. But yeah, compared uh. to the original um on Letterboxd, we have a 1.5 drop to 2. Point, a, a rating of 2.2 on um IMDb, it's a 6.2, and on Metacrit- on non Metacritic, the difference is uh, the least noticeable with a 45. Um, this new version of Justice League reads in its log line, determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recu- recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. Ah, that's quite a shitty log line, to be honest. Um, but at least the, the film improved, but, uh, we'll talk non-spoilers for now. We'll get into our spoiler thoughts later in the show. Uh, but Lachlan, first up, do you think this is better the than the original theatrical version? Yes. But, <laughs> but it's also two hours
1: longer. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want the short answer or the long answer?
0: Well, hit me, hit me, hit me. What what do you got? Hit me with the long Because the short
1: one. answer is yes, it's better, but the yeah. real question is... If you had the footage is the original too short or rushed or is the new one too long and slow
0: I think the answer lies as with most things somewhere in between
1: I think if the cuz obviously this is not this is this is not the movie that was going to come out in 2017 yeah. God no no <laughs> one in their right mind would create a theatrical version is is four hours long.
0: Especially but before the success of Endgame. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good
1: point. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Do I think, uh, yes, I believe that this film is the superior version, mm-hmm. but obviously for a bunch of different reasons, I don't think this would have been a success and been as critically, not critically acclaimed, because obviously it doesn't have that much of a big of a job on Metacritic. I yeah. think both, both wise critics aren't going to be very, you know, they're going to love this film. The only people who this film is not made for critics. This film was made for the fans of the DC universe and those fans of Zack Snyder who think he was uh, not given the best treatment possible creating this film. So, in saying that, even though I don't think this is you know an incredible film. Because of the context behind it, I think this isn't a fucking wicked film. It's awesome. And I'm so glad that it was actually brought to us and made.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. I think that from what it sets out to do, it definitely delivers. It, it doubles down on um, the fan service aspects that were kind of left out of the uh, the story. A, a lot of um, extra time and depth given to some of the characters who were straight up like cut out of the, the other version. What Just Whedon did was. Try to cut it down almost too much. And we we both uh, watched the new version and then we also rewatched the 2017 version um, today. And I think to me, the the biggest difference is just that a lot of moments are just extended and uh, you just get more of these same moments that you've already gotten Um, because I think that the moments that at least, kind of worked in the 2017 cut are also in here, just because Zack Snyder did all the stuff that actually worked, and pretty much everything that just we didn't added was—it's uh, not really good, you know. Uh, it was
1: comedic, or it was—it—it it was either something of comedic timing or it was something that didn't really necessarily added to the plot but added to maybe another joke or something exactly or maybe an extra shot here or there it doesn't add to the story it's just an extra shot that he added the majority of the bones had already been done it was Mm -hmm. just you know the the funny bone that had to be added in by josh
0: yeah and not to say that uh that zach snyder's version isn't isn't funny i think there's Um, Quite a few jokes, uh, even in this version, um, coming from mostly uh, Flash, I'd say, that uh, stick the landing. Some also miss it, but it's not that Joss Whedon typical, like, quippiness that we are maybe more used to from um, the MCU that we get. Overall, Lachlan, do you think it was worth it that we... (laughs) that for years these fans pushed for this and then they got it that's maybe a whole different thing in in itself with social media and everything but yeah who do you think this movie is for this four-hour movie we've i guess we've already touched on it right it's 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 pretty obvious It is
1: for the fans and I think the numbers say that 3.5 on Letterboxd, 8.3 on IMDb down from or up from 2.2 and 6.2 respectively including Metacritic rising almost 10 points up. This is for those people who were very excited because obviously before the MCU and the DCEU comic book's had their fans, and mm-hmm. there wasn't really like a Marvel and DC side. People liked the majority. I mean, some people preferred obviously Marvel over DC, but yeah. I mean, most people have a fan, like a favorite superhero, or maybe top three superheroes. And most of them before before these movies were swinging swinging between the two. Like I know for a fact that before all of like even before the DC EU existed, I still had Batman highly rated on my favorite superheroes. Right? Um, I mean, I mean number one for me. is is iron man number two is, is batman and they're both equal in terms of if they don't have superpowers they just make their suits that's what i think a superhero is cool for being rich <laughs> being rich like, like the real superheroes you're um, like a real superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> although so, they yeah, look no, more look-
0: like uh jesse eisenberg this mix of <laughs> like slewfer in the real world uh yeah but but anyway sorry
1: <laughs> i know it's fine um you, you're right they do look like jesse eisenberg's or like Super skinny white dudes. <laughs> no, this movie is for those who are fans of this, and also those are fans of Zack Snyder. And I know Zack Snyder can do superhero films.
0: Yeah, especially comic book adaptations. You know, that's kind of his thing.
1: I'm just glad this exists. The other thing is, I, I think this is a good wake up call for Warner Bros. Like, like give some give directors creative freedom at your studio because mm-hmm. that is how Marvel has got their success. Yeah, Start, they started off they started off pretty safe. You know, they started off pretty safe, and then they started experimenting and that's where the MCU got a bit more colour and made it a bit more fun and I don't think without those risks that I think a good example Guardians of the Galaxy um, yeah. took, we wouldn't have films like Black Panther, Doctor Strange These obviously these genre bending, not completely genre bending but changing of what the MCU could be and that's yeah. where I think this could have gone and a great example of that obviously is Shazam Shazam had its own style and everything going for it mm-hmm. but it's nothing, there's nothing else now but with Shazam they didn't really take it anywhere else getting other films coming out and pumping them out this is i think where this film if this film was part of canon like canon for dceu i would be very very excited where it's heading
0: mm, interesting yeah i wanted to touch on that later when we talk a bit more about the spoilers of stuff that we actually yep. get we'll we'll hold off on that but um uh remind me if i forget but Uh, Is there anything else we wanted to talk about before we get into spoilers?
1: Nothing, but I should warn the audience that this is a four-hour podcast.
0: (laughs) Yes, we'll talk about every single minute of the Snyder Cut. This is where this is going.
1: Beat by beat.
0: <laughs> every every single beat, every single well or uh, even maybe sometimes we even rewind and we'll do a scene yeah. again. Mm, so it might be even exactly. over four hours. Maybe four yeah. hours and two minutes, roughly, I'd say. But uh, we're yeah.
1: going to speak like this.
0: Yes, <laughs> we are perceiving the world as uh as uh Barry Allen would as the flash. Just everything yes. kind of slowed down. Now, whether you don't care about this four-hour long movie or you've seen it already. Uh, well, b we will talk about spoilers now. Um, right. So I'd say generally, I think a good starting off point for us to talk about, there's so much to talk about, but to start off talking about our favorite moments overall. Okay, do you want to go first? Well, this happens pretty late into the movie, uh, and it is after, uh, the heroes, the Justice League, they try to, uh, get Cyborg into the mother box and reverse some stuff and, uh, huge fights and whatever ensues, but then they fail, <laughs> and yeah, Earth gets wiped really. out essentially. And Flash has to reverse time and and run back. And I think that was just visually one of uh the best comic book scenes that I've ever seen. I think it it was it was really fun to look at. And I remember because Lucklin and I. Uh, watch this together <laughs> we were both kind of gasping and then we were like what <laughs> because it was such a big moment uh really unexpected you know because it's such a, a a completely different scene than what flash was doing in the initial one where he was saving uh a bunch of ukrainian or, or i don't know uh eastern people from the eastern block i don't know what city it was specifically maybe, maybe it was chernobyl right but uh yeah he was just running around saving people but here he got a really sick moment um all to himself maybe even setting out setting up um some kind of multiverse right uh, right later on and maybe even flash point paradox and a lot of cool things that uh i think come from the flash character which i'd say is one of my favorites from the dc uh, from dc overall but uh yeah that was my favorite moment
1: uh, i think for me because it, it was a very cool character introduction into the fight. It's right at the end, and there's probably a couple scenes that I'm probably for- forgetting about. But when when Steppenwolf goes to attack Cyborg mm-hmm. and is like for dark side and swings his axe, and Superman lands, it just like doesn't even affect him. And then <laughs> Superman just Superman just goes not impressed, and then just beats the shit out of him. I was like, yeah, that was pretty funny. That that is a mixture of. Good comedy, good introduction into a fight, mm-hmm. and also not too overpowered, but Superman just does his little. Because I remember in the theatrical cut, you know how he like uses his uh, ice breath from very far away? Yeah. Yeah, and he, and he freezes the axe. Well, he does the same thing here, but he kind of just like does it to the side a little bit. It just goes like, like a little and then freezes the axe. I was like, that's a bit less over the top, but obviously just as effective kind of attack. So mm-hmm. I think that there was my favorite moment because, again, it was another moment where I was like, yeah, sick.
0: <laughs> that was pretty sick. Not gonna lie, I was expecting um you'd mention the Fisher Village and the woman smelling Aquaman's. Uh, oh, the shirt. sniffy
1: sniffy of the, the shirt. The sniffy yeah. sniffy shirt was pretty funny. I wouldn't say that's my favorite scene, but it's <laughs> definitely one of the scenes where I went, hmm <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interesting. Can we get that again in slow motion? <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Sensory overload. But uh yeah, I guess also let's move on to um the most notable changes from the original. And the most uh obvious one, uh right as you start the movie, you notice that oh, there's a different aspect ratio we Move from a wider screen um to a more narrow almost box. I wanted to call it the uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Justice Box League. Uh, Justice. No wait. Um. Wait. I didn't think this through. The box cut. Exactly. The box cut of Justice League. Uh, box cut. Yeah. What did you think about this change? Did you? Did you like it? Did it? Yeah. What Which version did you prefer? Just from Well, the aspect look, ratio? to be
1: exact, it goes from a 1.78 by one aspect ratio, which is close to obviously like a Cinemascope-esque video or movie, yep. like a traditional movie. Mm-hmm. And Zack Snyder's goes to a 1.33 by one aspect ratio, which makes it a square or essentially four by three. Um, Do I think – what do I think of it? Uh, I'm a sucker for it, man. I love my – weird and wacky aspect ratios this case i actually think it benefits because there's less to look at and there's less to get distracted at which means Mm -hmm. you're constantly focused on what's going on and it kind of helps because obviously it's four hours for you to stay focused on the film if i was sitting there and watched a four-hour film in wide cinema scope, there's so much detail i'm missing and i want to watch on screen so i want to you know take as much of it in and i'm going to get tired so being able to focus on a little little on like a little square i'm happy and actually i think a lot of the shots benefit from it I think the framing on some of the some of the uh, shots in comparison to the ones on the original look a lot better in four x three for some reason. Right?
0: Yeah, I when I, what, sorry when I was watching um, the twenty seventeen version again, um, I noticed that there were way more really close up plus close, uh, well, close up close up. My god, where is my brain going? But uh, in this version, it, it it is almost always a bit more pulled back. And um, it feels, I guess that framing feels way more um, purposeful, like there was an intent behind it rather than coverage as soon as we are like up in a hero's face. And I think that like just we didn't, especially on it looks like also shot somewhat different. So to me, you can kind of tell that Zack Snyder, maybe it's the same footage, but it felt like he didn't have his camera uh, all the way uh, up in the faces of all of his uh, his characters. And I, I, I definitely like it way better, especially the look as well. I think uh, the the color grade is obviously kind of a, a toned down, uh, muted... Uh, world that it that it tries to capture that's not really that different from the 2017 version but uh, it, it kind of it lo- just looks better uh, I think and especially towards the end all the Chernobyl end fight stuff isn't like as orange red and all over the place I think it looks kind of neat uh, but yeah did you did you like the color grade?
1: Again, it's it's the Zack Snyder look. It's the desaturated, mm. uh, serious movie look. And I, I look for what the film is. I think this makes it work a lot better because it has the same. The original has the same issue as Suicide Squad, and. It sucks that they, never had, they still haven't learned from it that you get two directors and you get one director to try to do the complete opposite of the original vision and try to mash those two together. It's a clusterfuck of emotions and ideas. Mm-hmm. So that's why the original, I don't think, vibes pretty well because you've got this serious characters and yes, you've got comedic moments and you get, for fuck's sake, you get Batman to do comic relief. Batman is not a comic relief character. That's yeah. what the joke is for. That's what, that's the comic relief. Yeah. So that's where the original fucks up. So I think the color grade, it looks awesome. And, and I, and I swear if they're doing this black, if the black and white edition exists, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I'm watching it.
0: It's <laughs> great to know. Uh, that, that is fun. I mean, I gotta say something that, um, this movie definitely had also more of, and which probably added to the four hour l- runtime was, holy shit, an overuse of slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> there was, was so much slow motion and uh it's also not the kind of slow motion that is used infrequently i think every time it was used i was like oh here's another slow moving action shot of a hero uh with a song behind it and dude I, I gotta say i didn't mind it too much uh obviously it was kind of it It was almost uh, satirical in its own right looking at it i don't know if it's self-aware from snyder to do this this much but i i just i just love it it just gives like great images and something to like be riled up about looks cool and I guess that's that's all we want you know
1: I think I read the on IGN this morning that like 10% of Snyder's cut is in slow motion are you,
0: are you ki- actually
1: <laughs> I think yeah I think they said it was like 30 <laughs> minutes so of funny. the film is in slow motion hang on let's see if I can find it one sec
0: <laughs> oh I love that
1: I'm trying to find it. I'm scrolling through the thing okay here now here it is 24 minutes and seven seconds of Zack Snyder's Justice League were in slow motion or 10.35 percent of the film's total runtime
0: <laughs> uh, that, I mean has it has a movie ever done that? <laughs> so much slow motion? Uh, may, yeah maybe it's
1: called three hundred. Yeah, I was about
0: to say any other Zack Snyder. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, just Zack Snyder. The only rivals himself. Uh <laughs> It's his only opponent. Um, I also love that we get more shirtless Jason Momoa. Yeah. At some point we kind of turned back to uh, new moon twilight kind of territory where arguably way better looking than uh the Jacob character there, but Jason Momoa kept taking a shirt off and uh I don't think we I don't think we, we uh we mind <laughs> at all. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> Actually, you know what? Because we, we did record ourselves watching this as a just in case we needed to. I reckon as a as a little bonus for anyone, we could probably do a mash cut of all the times we gawshed over fucking Jason Momoa taking his shirt off. <laughs>
0: that might be a real fun end tag or, can you uh, yeah can we just get this? a? can
1: we just get a uh, i might go through it and count how many times i Ghost over it. i'll just quickly skim through the movie and <laughs> put the time codes into the thing
0: <laughs> yeah there, there might even be um yeah some kind of super cut of our uh, reactions to the film um somewhere uh we'll let people know um i guess follow our socials for that if you're interested um but yeah, definitely something that we gotta do. It was, it was. I gotta say, it was just a lot of fun watching this movie, and um, it was. Yeah, especially for like us sitting down watching such a long film, um, together. There's so much downtime, and you just get to hang out as well. And and I think this being like streaming at home, it it has the potential of actually existing because, as you said before, mm. like there's no shot there was ever this version who that that would have come out in cinemas, like. No. not at all it would have been 90 minutes shorter at least um so the potential of streaming services in the future i wouldn't say just not just for like these uh director cuts uh, like i think this is a extreme version of a director's cut there aren't that many um versions of like films that are so drastically different but uh, the potential of turning, like, uh, a movie that has a lot of bonus content into a, a mini series in sense. Because uh, we haven't touched on this, but uh, it, it, is, it is split into six parts, right? Or was it five? No, it was six. It's six chapters, uh, most of them being, like, 30 minutes long. I think the last one being 45 and then another 25 for the epilogue. Uh, I mean, great format. I don't think... Uh, I'm to get your thoughts on this. But I don't think it plays well as a mini series like if they would have split this up in separate episodes maybe released them week by week or something like that i don't think it would have worked that way
1: no i don't and uh, honestly uh i'm glad they didn't because yes they could have easily cut it up into six sections like six episodes but they wouldn't have worked
0: and forced some new subscribers out of it from for hbo max yeah yeah.
1: because remember that like if it was a mini series they have to have again, an opening and an ending to each of those. It has to be some sort of arc. It just can't be six-hour movie Cut, sorry, four-hour movie. Cut it into six sections, and then say, "Yeah, sick." There you go. Because remember, mm-hmm. the middle three chapters weren't that long. They were like uh, what, yeah, were, like an hour? Not even like a. I think they're all 30 like minutes thirty each. minutes.
0: Yeah, thirty yeah, minutes each. Right?
1: Yeah, right. And then the last part, is 45 part, chapter right. six, is forty-five. So there would yeah. be weird time lengths. So yeah. no, this wouldn't have worked as a miniseries. I completely agree with you. But it could have. It could have been like there is. There is an. There is an edit and a cut that exists that it could make of a miniseries. Yeah. But not this edit.
0: (laughs) Release the miniseries.
1: (laughs) Release the Snyder miniseries, cut! I dare you! (laughs) <laughs> because this has happened, every single movie that's ever had like a cut that didn't like hasn't come out yet, people are wanting now. Like, oh yeah, especially like, David Release this. Release the David Ayer Suicide yeah. Squad cut. Or fucking release the. Wait, what's the um? I can't think of the movie now. Fuck. Betty Jenkins.
0: Go. Oh, no. what movie are you thinking of? Uh,
1: release the R-rated Mrs. Doubtfire cut. Like. <laughs> yes. oh. Release the real X-rated Fifty Shades of Grey cut. <laughs>
0: It just links you to a porn site.
1: <laughs> or, like, I, I saw, I saw, like, a. I don't know if it was real or not. I might be dreaming, but, like, I, I read that the Russo brothers aren't totally opposed to doing a six hour cut of Endgame. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> are you, like, six hours. Like, if it's Infinity War and Endgame mashed together, that's cool. Yeah. But if it's, you know, if it's two and a half hour, three hour end, uh, Infinity War plus a six hour Endgame,
0: uh, <laughs> M game wasn't that complicated.
1: Wait, but I bet you what, that six hour edition would be so much better than the original. Like, I bet, <laughs> I, I reckon it would be adding so much more depth and you wouldn't be confused. On that. That, would, that, would, that would have a whole section, a whole chapter based on time travel. They're just explaining <laughs> yes, the whole time travel about thing. To say,
0: mm-hmm, because otherwise, because of the time constraints, they had to say, ah, oh, just don't think about the time travel. But in the six hour version, they, oh, yeah. they solved it. They solved the space time continuum issue. Like Within everything. those
1: six hours, One hour is dedicated to a whole chapter, like a time chapter in a physics book. It's just like a little cutout. You know how at the start of this, at the start of the HBO, um, Zack Snyder sits down and says, thank you. Halfway through this six-hour end cut of Endgame, the Russo brothers sit down and do a fucking audio book of literally a physics textbook explaining time travel.
0: (laughs) And at the end, end you do get Captain America, and there's also a cut that is just like 50 years long of him just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the living his life
1: kind of endgame where we follow captain america <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a, a simpsons kind of run of uh of just captain america living out his life for like 50 seasons fucking hell <laughs> all right uh, let's get back to uh justice league so uh what did you think about the addition of Darkseid kind of stepping in as the big bad um kind of using steppenwolf more as a marionette than? Uh, yeah, him being his own villain.
1: I would totally be cool if he did more action, but um, yeah, obviously he's the Thanos. He has the goons to attack, so I'm I'm okay with him being in here. I'm mm. not okay with how underused he was, but obviously, Zack Snyder's vision was he's not the bad guy in this. It is Stefan Rolf, and that, and then in the upcoming sequels, he would have been used. Obviously, they don't exist anymore. I don't know, man. Like, uh, I'm, I'm happy he's in it. I'm, I'm so glad he was because he's fucking terrifying and badass at the same time. Yeah. But no, I, I it, yeah, mixed mixed feelings.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed that there was uh, a little bit more of a drive behind Steppenwolf because I think that was one of the shortcomings of the 2017 version that he was just kind of there. And I think like the way that they uh, open the film isn't that when Steppenwolf comes in uh, and fights the Amazonians, right? That's how. Was it? Sorry, say that again. The the new one. It's how the new one starts. Uh, he comes in, wants to steal the oh, mother yeah,
1: box. Oh, he, he's like he's he, yeah. His literal introduction is like I'm. He like lands in <laughs> in the Amazon's fucking mother box temple and goes. I'll take this, thank you. Yeah, bye.
0: and in in the 2017 version, I think that happens like at the halfway a half hour mark. And it is that scene of them fighting and um, I, I don't know the name of the Amazonian uh, leader, but her having kind of to leave behind her people in a temple. Mm. And it, 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 there's a decision there that she has to make. And yeah. It feels like a big moment, like them not cutting down, but like smashing the things that, that holds the temple together, like the doors just uh, mm. shutting. And... In the 2017 version, that is like a one minute scene. Yeah. And uh, it completely undersells, like, it's not like this character needs any depth, but to feel the impact of, of a villain like this is really important. And I think that it nails it in this opening. Uh, it goes really strong from there, and I think the movie, the movie feels weird talking about a movie that's four hours long. But uh, it it drags the moments and certain bits you could completely cut out. Maybe we could also uh start talking about the things we um kind of didn't enjoy from it. Maybe be uh like a little bit critical because pretty much any Amy Adams moment uh as Lois Lane I think was kind of unnecessary. The only moment I actually liked was with Martha and then it turned out to be Martin Martha Mar- Manhunter.
1: Manhunter
0: That you like was that yeah. Martha
1: Manhunter. Martha Manhunter. Fucking trickster.
0: Yeah, that, that it's definitely intentional that uh he was disguised disguised himself as Martha. That was that was a play on words there. Um for sure, I'm I'm pretty sure. But uh yeah that, that character doesn't really get used. I think it was just kind of a fun little thing that they had one the scene tease. with and then uh, at the epilogue at the very final moment is with him yeah i'm kind of bummed out bummed out that we don't get any uh of his of that character um in this dceu anymore it's probably the thing that i'm most keen about um uh, if i'm honest because like he's such a sick character he was
1: one of my favorites from the animated series as well so i was very excited to hear that he's most likely going to appear in this and his introduction was while yes it was disappointing that that scene between Martha and uh, Lois Lane meant nothing because it wasn't really Martha, and I thought it was a cool connection between those two characters. It ended up just being, "Oh, it's Martian Manhunter." Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I was like, oh, "Okay, cool. That sucks," but it's a nice little introduction, and it was a good little misdirect because you thought, "Oh, wow, this is this is really soft and sweet," and you don't see it coming. It comes It literally comes out of nowhere. Um, so, for anyone who who watches the movie and they say that they saw it coming, is a lie because. They weren't
0: really watching the movie then yeah i know it, it it was not set up at all it was kind of sprung onto you and uh what i guess the part that i didn't like about it was that i think his character was mainly used to say yo lois lane is kind of important for this, the stability of this whole universe and yeah that's the whole thing that i don't like I, that probably i i'm just guessing it probably has to relate to lois being pregnant right must be and Must be some kind of significance there that maybe she dies and then Superman uh goes evil again uh maybe something like that but um yeah what did you think about the uh, the whole like epilogue um at the end with the Joker and uh what's it called um <laughs> I wanted to say Nate shot but that's a that's a YouTuber Deathstroke Deathstroke <laughs> <laughs> exactly close enough
1: <laughs> Nate shot nice they both don't miss um <laughs> probably don't miss nice um. <laughs> Look, I really liked the inclusions of the epilogue because uh, they weren't really epilogues. They were kind of just... Other than the, the 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 middle one, which is the Joker Batman scene, which is a dream sequence, the rest are epilogue. That one is kind of like a what if scenario, in yeah. my opinion. Even though they they faked it out, even though they faked it out as a dream, um, I, I saw it more as a what if scenario, like yeah. where could, the movie could have gone. I so if we start. With the end, like, because we'll call them end credits, obviously, because that's what they are. Yeah. If we start with the first one, which is the Deathstroke Lex Luthor one, obviously, the big change between that and the original is that he literally says Bruce Wayne is Batman. And that's a big thing between these two characters. That was pretty hardcore and pretty sick. Obviously, because we didn't see much of Lex Luthor in this, which I know isn't a terrible thing to not have or have yeah. because it's not the most insane. It's not the best character in the DCEU, but it is a character that could improve like the Joker did because that yeah. scene with the Joker, in my opinion, was one of the best in the entire film. And I excluded mm-hmm. it from my favorite scene because I, I think it's a whole separate thing to this film. Yeah. And I think it's it's a shame that we don't get to see more of this Joker because a lot of people give give Jared Leto shit, and he is a good actor. Like, this fucking guy's got an Oscar. Yeah. So he can act, and he's yeah. just been the subject of bad direction from- well, not bad direction per se, but two directions of a director or two different- Multiple directors, I guess. Yeah. He's the subject of bad editing, bad putting together, uh, and all that. And but this he, Joker, he might have gone also with, a
0: bit overbought with his- He could have gone a bit overbought, a bit, but
1: little. hey, fuck it. You know, some actors do some weird shit. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Um. <laughs> Death, death cults and stuff. Yeah. Um, eating people. Yeah, that too. Mm. Um, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. There were allegations um, coming yeah. up this week. Did you see? Yeah, I know. Yeah, oh, no, oh, I haven't no, seen them no. yet.
0: Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's, let's not uh, even uh, touch a, on I'm that. I could give like him a
1: given read. <laughs> There's a new movie out with him, and I was going to go watch it, and I was like, maybe not. Um, but yeah, no, look, with this Joker, you've got guided vision, you've got a director no comfortable in his shoes, nobody know wants knows what he wants out of this character. Mm-hmm. And that you can't tell me that that scene with the Joker and Batman wasn't sick. And also Batman yeah. dropping an F bomb is fucking sick.
0: That was pretty. Like sick. that
1: is like I had this argument the other night with a a colleague and we're talking about who the best Batman was, mm-hmm. and I and I said Ben Affleck is one of the best Batmans um for multiple yeah. reasons and you can see that in this film that he's really good and i want to see the the fucking hardcore batman and joker fucking ugh. i just want to see a solo batman joker film that's all i want to see right now
0: yeah i mean i'm almost kind of disappointed that uh we are not getting to um that robin moment uh, that he references like that the joker moment, uh the joker references that moment that he killed um, oh, Jason, No, what's he called? But just the Robin uh, that kind of Batman took under his wing, uh, quite literally. And yeah, uh, uh, no, Jason Todd, right? I, I can't think of it, but um, that that kind of whole, whole storyline is so, so dark. And I think that uh, Zack Snyder would be pretty decent at it, you know, he could do it. But I guess he kind of used... Uh, wanted to have a, a an older Batman and had that kind of as as a backdrop to this character, like the 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 history that this character already has, and which is something that I really like. You know, we we have gotten way too many origin stories. We don't really need them. We understand how superheroes work, um, essentially. But um, they, they've never really dropped f bombs, so that's that's a fun new addition. Um, but overall, I think that the R rating that this one got. Uh, often felt like it got the r rating for the sake of having r rating other than that single moment because like then there's this uh extended flashback scene that's like two three minutes long in the original and i think it's like 25 minutes (laughs) it feels like a whole part of the movie that is just that one flashback that fighting scene um, between was it Steppenwolf or was it Darkseid that they fought there? Uh, in which one, sorry? In the, in the like really long flashback that they had with with Zeus and the lantern. Oh, it,
1: in the original, it's Steppenwolf, but in this one, it's Darkseid.
0: Right. Yeah. Ah, uh, that was that was a sick fight overall as well, and it, like there was a lot of blood there, kind of splattered, and I think uh there were there were some moments where the CGI didn't look too great on that, but I gotta say, like for the only in quote unquote seventy million that they added uh to add two more hours even more than two hours because like you know a lot of all the scenes that had to be recontextualized uh, i i think they they um yeah he came out with a great product for what he was advertising for um i was expecting way less to be honest mm. so do you think this will mean the end for this Snyderverse version of the dceu
1: Look, I can I, I have to say yes, but there's always a chance that Warner Brothers change their mind and go, you know what, I we want you back. They could do a whole Kevin Feige kind of thing and make him produce and give someone creative control. Cause without a doubt, Kevin Feige is one of the smartest producers out there right now. And yeah. he knows what he's doing and he's done a really successful job of that. Warner Brothers have this entire collection of superheroes, and they just gotta focus it a little bit and yeah. they can get something good out of it. And that's a good thing for both us for warner brothers as well so i doubt that we're gonna see any more snyder superheroes i hope he goes and i mean i'm pretty sure isn't he doing a zombie flick on netflix next or yeah it's already been shot
0: dawn of the dead it's i think called army of the dead uh it releases i think in um two or three months yeah
1: so i can't wait to see what Zack Snyder does elsewhere other than superhero films i would Mm -hmm. like him to come back and do some superhero films one day and you know what? Why, not, why doesn't Marvel just snuck him up and get him, get him to do a fucking Marvel movie, right?
0: Like, <laughs> what character would you would you give to uh, to Zack Snyder in in uh, From MCU? the
1: Marvel Universe? Yeah. Um, Punisher? Punisher, right? Oh. That would be sick. That's a good one. What Daredevil?
0: That's devil? a good one. I think you could um, do a sick Daredevil.
1: Those are some good ones. Um, you know what I would like? I reckon he could do a really cool, like, like spin-off Marvel, cin- not like in the cinematic universe, but like a uh a real adaptation of one of the good comics that i've read like a, the mm-hmm. actual civil war like civil war in the comics
0: yeah he he does like to do those epic kind of big storylines uh, even if they are rushed like in batman v superman where he basically just rushed the death of superman together with uh kind of a half-assed dark knight uh, the dark knight um adaptation
1: which one is the one where they have the spider car and is it hawkeye who's blind
0: um, oh, you mean um, are you talking about Planet Hawk? A uh, Planet Hawk? No. Uh, no, no, not I that don't one. know I don't know. I mm. I'm not really too familiar with the comics because I I didn't grow up reading them at all, so.
1: Uh, oh, wait, no. It's the uh Old Man Logan comic. Oh, Old Man Logan.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: reckon look, I know they did a Logan, but I reckon yeah. he could do a sick Old Man Logan uh comic adaptation. Yeah, where you've got like every single superhero dead, and Hulk's a fucking incest feral family, and uh, you know stuff like that. I reckon that yeah. I reckon that'd be cool.
0: He'd be perfect for a Flash movie as well, just because he could justify having twenty five percent of the movie be in slow motion. Then
1: that is true. That we is were true. Qu-
0: we, we we were talking about this, like we we. Weren't sure if, like, wouldn't the electricity that uh, Barry Allen creates just zap everyone whenever well, it passes true, them? That's true, because they fucking use
1: him as a goddamn Tesla coil. Yeah. Uh, like, four times in the film.
0: It's really weird. Um, <laughs> I guess let's just not think about it too much and, uh, and put a number on it. So, uh, for a rating, uh, Luckland, where would you land on Zack Snyder's Justice League? <sighs> six. Mm, nice, nice. I, I initially had six. And then I, I chickened down and put 5.5. 5. Pussy. See, let's just, let's just make it a 6. I think a 6. I think a 6 is fine. Definitely uh, like a good surprise, you know? Surprised, yeah. but in a good way. Um. But yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. Next week, we'll take a look at the 1993 King Kong. Um, you can join our public Discord to participate in the Film Club, which will be King Kong this week. Um, we also have an upcoming raffle. We do those every month. You can also join our Patreon for two bucks a month. you become a first AD. Um, Patreon gives you some exclusive access on the Discord, additionally, you get access to the drunk cast. It's uh, very hectic, as the title entails, a drunk show. While you watch a movie, you also get a commentary uh, and then an extra episode. It's it's always a lot of fun. Um, you also get the show notes for our episodes and early episodes, as well as exclusive uh, access to some of uh, the voting for upcoming uh, reviews that we do on the show. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, that's set underscore quiet. On Instagram, quietonsetpodcast. On Letterboxd, @quietonset and all of our personal socials are linked below. And with that, Lachlan, you got anything else to add?
1: Uh, Sonic should have been nominated for Best Picture.
0: Dude, we live in a society.
1: We live in a society.